Hello friends, this is Medora the nurse checking in and today I'd like to do something a little different. I have a book that has, has helped me a lot through the years and I've started glancing at it again um, off and on and it's called What's in the Bible for Mothers and it's pretty awesome. It's a big book, but it's laid out in a very simple way to understand. And they have many other books. This one is What's in the Bible for dot 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 mothers. They have What's in the Bible for women and What's in the Bible for teens and many more. They even have a whole book on each book of the Bible. Well, no. It looks like a few of the Old Testament and a few of the New. But quite a selection. I think it's pretty cool. But what I'm going to read, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so we're going to read it together. And I'm not sure what we're going to find. So chapter number one Part one, being blessed. I'm not going to read all of this because I have to get a little further. Uh, okay, here we go. God had a plan. In our modern era of women's rights, working mothers, high divorce rates, and single parenting, it's hard to imagine that the Bible has much to say that would apply to mothers today. Most of us carry around the notion that during biblical times, women were nothing but chattel to be bought and sold at the whim of a man. But you will be surprised, for women, and particularly mothers, are treated with deep respect in the Old Testament. With the birth of Christ, motherhood was elevated to an even higher plane. The respect and freedoms we have today, we owe directly to the spread of the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. And I'm quoting the book here. Believe it or not, wherever the gospel has gone, women's and children's lives have improved. In the following pages, we'll examine these teachings and learn from some outstanding and not so outstanding examples like Mary, the mother of Jesus, Hannah, who gave her son to the service of the Lord, and Rebecca, who showed partially for one son over the other. We'll laugh a little and cry a little and at the end be really glad someone calls us mom. And the oldest profession, motherhood. Leviticus 19, chapter, chapter 19, verse 3. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. I like that. So the part that I'd like to read today talks about divorce. Dun, dun, dun. Because that's how I'm feeling right now. Wah, wah. 
Yeah, that summarizes me right now. Okay. So, in this book, on page 25, the book is called What's in the Bible for Mothers by Judy Bodmer and Larry Richards, Ph.D. Okay. What exactly did Jesus teach about the family? You might be surprised to discover that Jesus said very little about the family. Commentators believe that's because God's original plan as set forth in the Old Testament was still valid. Jesus states in this scripture that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. When he looked around, he saw that the family unit was secure, but that individual hearts were what needed changing. Can you imagine coming up with 10 rules for a whole nation to govern itself by? <laughs> they would fit on one piece of paper and, and could be posted in every public place and every private home. They could easily be memorized and taught from one generation to another. That's what God did with the Ten Commandments. They were the very foundation of the Israelite nation, and the family was such an important part of that foundation that three of the commandments pertain directly to it. So, what's tearing the family apart today? The two biggest dangers to families today are migration and divorce. Migration tears families away from grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins and family traditions. Families move to where the jobs are and find loneliness and strangers there. There's no one who cares if you don't go to church. There's no one to look to for sound advice. There are in new influencers that lure us away from the things our parents taught. Divorce is shredding the American family. In 1993, this is an old book, <laughs> approximately 1.2 million divorces were granted. According to one study, many of these were for vague reasons like inability to communicate or immaturity, not for reasons you might expect like drug and alcohol use or physical abuse. There are no winners in a divorce, period. <laughs> but the biggest losers are the children. Too many of them are growing up without a mother or a father. A long-term study showed that even 25 years after a divorce, the majority of children blamed their inability to hold down a job or maintain a relationship on the breakup of their families. Divorce can throw women and children into poverty and men into deep clinical depression that can last for years. Or vice versa. Children of divorce are more likely to abuse drugs, commit crimes, or get pregnant out of wedlock. Step families carry with them their own set of problems, with the majority of sexual and physical abuse taking place in these environments. Ugh so awful 
when God said to Malachi, I hate divorce, God said that. He knew the heartache it would cause, not just for the couple, but also for generations to come. He meant for children to grow up with one set of parents who would teach them the right way to live so they could go out and pass on those values to the next generation. When that basic unit fails, our whole society loses. For single moms, if you're already divorced, then consider this a new beginning. Be all God wants you to be so that you will be the best you can be for your children. If you're considering divorce, then please reconsider. Get counseling, read books, find a support group. Keep looking until you find the solution to your marital unhappiness. Your children deserve that, you deserve that, and someday you'll be very glad you stayed. Okay, so that last part makes me tear up a little bit because in my particular situation, I wanted to go to counseling again. And my ex-husband did not. He actually said to me, what's the point? Nothing's gonna change. And I do believe that children are meant to grow up with both parents who can teach them the right way to live so they can go out and pass on those values to the next generation. Right now, my children who are teenagers have chosen to live with their dad and while it's not that far away they are at the moment not really wanting me in their day to day lives and obviously my ex doesn't either um He's supportive of me being in their lives, but I kind of feel like there's an undertone somewhere that I'm the bad guy. I'm the one who's living alone, not able to see my kids. And just fighting to keep my head above water. So, when I found my book today, (laughs) What's in the Bible for Mothers, I thought that might be a sign to open it up. There are some questions, (laughs) study questions, it says, but just things to think about. 
Number one, what was God's original intention for Adam and Eve? I'm not going to answer these for you. I'm going to let you think about them. Number two, what does the term one flesh mean? Number three, how did an engagement in biblical times (laughs) differ from today? That's a good one. Number four, why were children considered such a blessing? That should not be past tense. Why are children considered such a blessing? Number five, what does it mean to honor your father and mother? And six, what are the two most harmful trends in our society for the family and why? Chapter wrap up. Let's wrap it up with a bow. As soon as I stop sniveling. (laughs) Okay. Chapter wrap up. Before the fall of man, Eve and Adam shared the same responsibilities. After the fall, they were still considered equals but their roles changed. Adam was to toil and Eve was to bear children. God's original plan was for one man to be united with one woman for life and for them together to bring up children to know and love the Lord. God created marriage as the foundation for raising up generation after generation of godly children. Man altered that plan by allowing polygamy and divorce. Neither were part of God's plan. Children today may sometimes be considered a burden by American society, but in God's economy, they are of great value. The Jewish people of the Old and New Testaments considered having many children to be a sign of God's blessing. And finally, families were necessary for survival in biblical times. When a man married, he brought his bride home to live with his family, which might include his parents, grandparents, single sisters, slaves, and servants. So, yes, families were necessary for survival in biblical times. And honestly, now that I'm on my own, I understand that more than ever. Um. Because, gosh, sorry, I can't stop crying. Ugh. Um, because 
I was gonna say being alone can be refreshing and rejuvenating and quiet and peaceful but feeling alone does not give me those things I'm surrounded by people that do love me my family my mom my uh, (laughs) somewhat adoptive family (laughs) and I know my children love me but sometimes it's just so hard to understand where they're coming from and why now granted they're the girls are both teenagers and they're girls and they're right at that age when things are really rough between mothers and daughters at least they were for me and my mom I blamed her for a lot of things and I shouldn't have but I didn't know that at the time so I imagine that's what my girls are thinking but it's been over six months since I've seen my children's faces And if there's one prayer that could be answered, one prayer I could say that could be answered would be for my children to really realize that I love them that I am so sorry for all kinds of things that have happened in our lives that maybe they blame me for. I'm sorry for things that happened that I couldn't control. I'm sorry for a lot of things, but I'm also so proud I'm so proud of all of my kids. All five of my kids. (laughs) In case you're listening, all five of you are mine. And I love you. No matter where I go, what I do, who I'm with, I will always love you and I will always be here for you. Any of you can call me, and at the drop of a hat, I will be there. It's my purpose. I really feel like my purpose in life is to be a mom, and 
to suddenly have that kind of ripped away has been torture. Okay, I know you don't want to listen to me sniffling. So, that's what I would pray for. I would pray, and I will pray, and I have prayed, (laughs) for just a little understanding and patience from my kids. And maybe some willingness to step out of their comfort zone, just like I'm doing, and maybe reach out to me for once, instead of it always going the other way. I text, I text them, I call them, I deliver presents. But I feel like the weekend dad, but I don't get the weekends. I'm not getting anything. I'm getting zero time with my kids right now. They are old enough to help us make that decision. And my ex and I decided to let them be comfortable with their dad and not feel stressed out being with me. That takes a lot of explaining, but that's the gist. There's no need for them to be stressed out or anxious with me, but unfortunately that's where we are right now. And I hope we get to move past that soon. Because I don't know how much longer I can hold out. It's torture. Being being a mom is all I've ever wanted. And I became a mom at 21. Which is way too young. For those of you listening, (laughs) don't do that. But I had support. I had his dad to, to help, and we raised our son together, even though we weren't together anymore. And it it worked for a while. It worked. And then I got married and had an instant beautiful stepdaughter, had my son already, and then we had two daughters together. And in the middle of that, we were in the process of adopting another daughter who was in between the ages of our girls so she fit right in and she's still part of our family I love them all and I will 
always have love in my heart for my ex-husband. I wanted to make things better. And he flat out told me that he just didn't love me anymore or fell out of love with me a long time ago or something to that effect. And, I mean, I definitely understand it based on the history of our marriage. I know exactly when it happened. And it was seven years before we divorced. We were married um, almost 18 years. But you know what? I got married at 23. So I am so young. <laughs> I'm still young. I have I have hopefully the second half of my life to look forward to. And I'm going to try to leave this on a positive note. This is about infertility. I'm not reading that right now. In vitro. Gosh, they have everything in here. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. This is quiet for a moment. I'm trying to figure out where we were. We were on page 26. And okay, so the beginning of chapter two says uh, the title is Tragedy in the Garden. What's in this chapter? Childbirth, curse, or blessing? <laughs> um, a deep desire for children? And the curse of being a woman. <laughs> That's a lot for one chapter. <laughs> Alright, so here's the quote from the Bible. Genesis. Go figure. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, 
You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. <clears throat> so here we go. In the last chapter, we looked at God's original plan for families. Marriage was to be between one man and one woman. This union would draw them so close, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, that they would become one flesh. Children were to be born into this solid foundation. They were to be raised to worship and serve God by two loving parents who reflected God's image. But something tragic happened, and nothing has been the same since. <laughs> Next little paragraph. Don't eat it. <laughs> Before Eve was created, God gave Adam the responsibility to work and take care of the Garden of Eden. He asked only one thing, that he not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil or eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then God warns Adam that if he does, there will be a severe consequence. Quote, you will surely die. Seems simple and straightforward. Why in the world would Adam do anything else? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. That might still be true. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil tempting words. Satan, in the guise of the serpent, whispered in Eve's ear, is that really what God said? He planted doubt in her heart, but give Eve credit. She knew what God had said and she recited it back to him. Her next error, though, was to listen again, for Satan was crafty and he knew that once Eve started listening to him, he could plant even more doubts. He said, surely you won't die. God's just trying to keep you from being equal to him. He just doesn't want you to be all knowing like he is. And with that, Eve made her next big mistake. She turned and looked at the fruit.
gonna complete my reading here and I'm kind of wiped out (laughs) talking about my kids makes me cry every time I can't help it and I know that's gonna just take time uh yeah So, I hope there are some beautiful souls out there in the world listening to this tiny little podcast made by this tiny little person of this big, huge blue marble floating through the universe I hope there are some other sweet souls out there that can relate to what I'm going through it's impossible to describe and and it changes minute to minute sometimes I have never not lived with my kids. And even when my ex and I were living completely different lives for years, one sleeping upstairs and one sleeping downstairs with the kids in their rooms safe and sound, The two of us, unfortunately, became used to it. No romance at all. No nothing. What we did have, though, both of us for each other, is loyalty. I have never encountered a more loyal man than my ex-husband. And I am also loyal in my heart. And yet knowing how loyal he is inspired me. make sure that's a priority at all times without ever letting that thought go he's one of the most hard working men I've ever known Uh, I'm not crying because our marriage fell apart well I'm not crying because I've lost my husband I'm crying because my kids are not under my roof. And I thought (laughs) I thought I had been through struggles before. 
Oof. I've been through six spinal surgeries. <laughs> but physical pain is nothing compared to emotional pain. And I know there are some folks out there that understand what I mean. Every day, I work on that. Every day, I pray for some kind of sign, some kind of solution, some kind of purpose. And I hope one day soon, I will... hear something back I love you all and I wish you all happiness and peace and health and this is Mommy Medora the nurse signing off